Welcome to the Random City Podcast. Chester Copperpot, he was a pro. He never made it this far. A competitor. He was very good. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Just listen to the old pork chop express. Take his advice on a dark and stormy night. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. When Godzilla's coming, y'all be tripping. Where did you come from? From your blood. I'm brute. You will be. You underestimate my power. He's gonna be the third scariest thing on that train. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Hello, welcome back to the Random City Podcast. I'm Jimmy and Georgia, your host, as always. And we're here to talk about random stuff in a random way, and we do random things. Anyway, welcome to the show. If you're, you know, your first time listening, could be possible, uh, as a few people have been finding us each week. Thank you for that, everyone. I'm a podcaster. I like to draw. I like to write. I've not gotten very far in that process, but I'm in the in the works. I have two novels that I've been working on on and off for a couple years, and I have some interesting ideas. I think they're interesting anyway, maybe they aren't. And then, apart from those kind of things for fun, I uh, do some web design and work with some software stuff. So, nothing too exciting in the realm of the jobs, but other things that I'm doing that hopefully, at some point, might be a way to earn a little extra income. With my artwork, I've been doing a lot of fan art, and I've been trying here last little while to be a little more creative and not just draw another Star Wars thing. I get into this random little thing where I just do, I don't know, a while back, if you go check out Jimmy and George on Instagram or on Twitter, I did a series of sketch cards for a lot of things from the 80s, whether it be Muppet Babies, Thundercats, breakfast cereals, all sorts of random stuff. And here recently I've done a few original characters uh, one of them I really like. I did a zombie banana, and I'm kind of digging it. On Tuesday, I did a Daffy Duck as Kylo Ren, which was kind of a something a little more creative for me. That I did a mashup of two different intellectual properties, but normally I just have a reference and just kind of copy it. Um, so I feel like I'm starting to progress in my artwork a little bit. And I mean, I've been trying to do this consistently so far this year. You know, we're almost halfway there. I've already done over 300 marker sketches, which I'm, I use Copic markers or alcohol-based ink markers, and uh, <laughs> Doc Zen over on Twitter made a joke about drinking your alcohol-based markers uh, the other day, and so I thought that was pretty funny. So, shout out to Doc Zen, and if you're familiar with the Goldiverse that I mention pretty regularly here, you've probably heard Steve talk about Doc Zen over there, so watch out, Doc. Anyway, I've been doing a lot of sketching still, and I've been messing around with the YouTube thing. Last week, I, I recorded a video of me doing the show, and I, I didn't do that this week. It was a little extra work and pressure that I didn't really like. I think I've said this in the past, uh, and I've been more consistent this time this around. I think this is episode 12 of this season, and I do call them seasons. Basically, however many episodes I get out in a year is a season. And the first season, it was like 10 episodes. The second season, it was... I forget how many exactly. I think the third season was like 20 or 30 episodes. So the majority of the episodes came out several, several years ago. But anyway, this is the longest season since whatever whatever season it was that I did that many. But anyway, I guess that's just a random introduction here. And one thing I try to do each week is have some sort of random chatter, random topic, whatever you want to talk about. And last week I mentioned, I think, Draw with Jazza 
on YouTube. I think I mentioned some Forces of Destiny. And since then, several more of those Forces of Destiny have come out. And for the most part, they're kind of short. They're not that great, I don't think. Again, the animation style is kind of weird. A couple of them, it doesn't really bother me. I, I will say I enjoyed the ones with Princess Leia, especially the one that connected with Sabine, just because I like Sabine. And I like the two that had Ahsoka in it. And then the one with Princess Leia, I think we mentioned last week with the Ewoks. It's about half of the ones that have come out. I've, I've really enjoyed the other half. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But it's fine. I mean, I get that it's not necessarily targeted towards me. I think the whole point of those little cartoons is to get little female fans interested in Star Wars, which is cool. Hey, everybody can like Star Wars. It's not like you have to be a little boy to do so. So whatever. Curious to see what else they would do with this. If this is just a one-time thing, they just make these little clips. Or if they actually try to do more of an actual series, sort of like the uh, Clone Wars micro-series back in the day. But I don't know. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see. One thing I guess I could mention here, last week we talked about Spider-Man and the old movies, and we were leading up to the release of the new movie, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, my wife and I did go see that last Thursday night. We did get tickets, I think, on the podcast. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get tickets. We got tickets. Really had a good time. It was a fantastic movie. Very fun. One of the things my wife and I were discussing afterwards, I think Wonder Woman is a better movie, a better film, but I enjoyed and had more fun with Spider-Man. I laughed a lot, really enjoyed Tom Holland as Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. I thought his little buddy was awesome. The guy in the chair, <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what that means. I loved the cameos from several people. One in particular, I had no idea they were connected to this movie, and I was very surprised to see them. And so I thought that was great. Don't want to spoil anything. Don't want to give away anything. But it's a, it's a lot of fun. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Had a great opening weekend. I think it was $117 million somewhere in that neighborhood. Over Definitely over $100 million, though. It's a very fun movie. Probably my favorite of that series, especially being that it's connected to the Marvel movies in general, and you have Iron Man and all that stuff in there. So yeah, I'd say it's probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. Check it out, for sure. Oh, another thing that I've been listening to, I, mean, I mentioned Audible a lot of times, and I say go over to audible.randomcitypodcast.com. You can get two free audio books. I say that like every week. I've been listening to an Audible book this last few days. Haven't gotten but, I think, three chapters into it, but it's really pretty good. The author's name is Jeff Goings, and he has an, a book out just recently released called Real Artists Don't Starve. And I've really been interested in just kind of seeing what he's done up to this point as far as the chapters go. Like I said, I'm not very far along in it. It's interesting hearing some stories about Michelangelo, just famous, super famous, and honestly, like mega famous artists from, from the Renaissance. And just hearing how they, how they kind of came to the point where they were to do what they did, how they apprenticed, how they did different things, and uh, how Michelangelo was super rich, even though we always have this idea that artists are poor and starving. One of the chapters was featured a lot on Jim Henson and the Muppets, kind of where that originated, back with Sam and Friends in the 50s. And it's just been a really interesting read, or listen, since it's audible. So I've really enjoyed that. And so my wife's listened to it already, and so she she really wanted me to listen to it so that we could discuss it more. So very fun. So check out Real Artists Don't Starve. And if you haven't done it already, you can go to Audible, get two free books, you get this, something else. So that's pretty great. So audible.randomcitypodcast.com, get you a free trial, two free books. You can keep those even if you cancel your trial. So that's a pretty good deal. 
And I guess that's going to be our random topics, random chat, or whatever we want to call this little opening segment. And I'll see if I can find an old Planet of the Apes toy commercial. And I'll throw something in here in the middle, and then we'll get back and we'll talk about our random selection of the day, the Planet of the Apes movies. Nico presents the Planet of the Apes action figures. Dr. Zaius, the orangutan scientist. Cornelius, the archaeologist. Zira, the woman scientist. The soldier ape. And the astronaut. All Planet of the Apes action figures sold separately by Migo. One thing I do want to mention to you about the old movies, and this is funny to me because I looked this up just as I was doing some show prep, Amigo made some Planet of the Apes figures or dolls, whatever you want to call them, back in the 70s. And I remember in the early 80s, as probably a four or five year old, I was pretty young, going into what we had there in town was a Western Auto. And I think those were kind of widespread. I don't think it was just a, a Southern thing or a Georgia thing. But our Western Auto apparently had Planet of the Apes figures from like nine, ten years before. Or something, you know, really, really old. Uh, but I remember going in there and, and picking out a Cornelius Mego figure. And I, this was, I still have it somewhere in a box. I lost his little shoes. He had some sort of little shoes on. And I just think that's really random. And I, I know my brother had a couple other Mego figures. He had a, for sure, like a Robin, maybe a Batman. I don't know. But I, there, there weren't a lot of those floating around our household. But I do remember that specifically seeing these movies as a little kid and, and getting a little toy for him. And I had no idea that those were probably out of print by that point. But I just think that's really funny. They still had them in our little town. And they may have been sitting there for almost a decade. Which is kind of hilarious. I mean, at least seven, eight years. I don't know. A long time. Anyway, the Planet Apes series kicked off in 1968. Had Charlton Heston, who was in a bunch of big movies back in those days. One that comes to mind that's... Doesn't hold up well as the Omega Man around that same time frame. There's been a couple versions of that out there. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago with Will Smith discussions with Men in Black and Independence Day. I really like I Am Legend. And that's the same story as Omega Man. And there was also another interpretation with Vincent Price. I can't remember. how. I was probably in the 50s or 60s. It was a long, long time ago. I definitely enjoyed the the Willow Smith version the most. But uh, as far as <laughs> Charlton Heston, he had the Planet of the Apes. He had the Mega Man. He was in Soylent Green. It's made of people. You know, all those kind of things. And so Charlton Heston definitely overacts. To me, he kind of reminds me of William Shatner if you just really crank the volume up. But anyway, he was kind of the star of this first movie. Most people have probably seen these old movies. These are things we grew up watching. I've talked about before how my mom loved all the sci-fi stuff. Every time... These Planet of the Eight movies were coming on CBS or whatever channel it came on back in those days. We would be watching them. And so I have saw this series multiple times. And then maybe two years ago, I think it was around two years ago, I bought the Blu-ray set of all the old just old movies, the five that came out in the 60s and 70s, and rewatched those really for the first time in years, um, which I've kind of been doing on and off here the past several years, watching movies from the 80s or early 90s I haven't seen in a super long time. And so... It was fun to go back and watch these movies, uh, and just just going from that riff there, I really still like the first movie, or Random Facts with Jimmy and Georgia. One of the random facts about that first movie was Rod Sterling 
wrote the initial screenplay, and I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. I love what Ron Sterling did. And speaking of me having the ideas of wanting to be a writer, I kind of have that mindset of I want to write a story and have the reader, the listener, whoever, think it's going in a certain direction, and I want it to turn kind of like a Twilight Zone episode. I mean, that's really the the mentality I have of especially one of the two stories I'm working on in my novels. It was something along those lines. And I know sometimes that works out okay for people who try to do Twilight Zone type stuff, like M. Night Shyamalan, for example. To me, I think, I haven't ever heard him say it, but I would assume he's a big Rod Sterling fan, a big Twilight Zone fan. And so he does those things where you think one thing's happening, twist at the end, oh, this is other thing. And so sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. I think sometimes your audience feels kind of betrayed if you're not leaving breadcrumbs along the way to kind of give them some hint that something's not quite right. That's really besides the point. But you can definitely see a Twilight Zone thing at the end of the Planet of the Apes with the Statue of Liberty and the whole thing. He, Charlton Heston's very dramatic there at the end of the movie. But that's super Rod Sterling, just having that moment there at the end of the movie. Uh, and they actually had brought him in for the second movie, and it didn't work out with him there. And I think you can tell, because that second movie, apart from not having a lot of Charlton Heston, the writing wasn't as strong. You had these different actors come in, and that never really works out for me in my mind. And for another thing, Roddy McDowell really wasn't in the second movie. There were some clips of him. Cornelius and Taylor were kind of the main stars, apart from Zira, in that first movie. And so that was just a bad. Two, would be on my book, would be the lowest of these, these five old movies. There were some interesting things into it moves the story along. And two gets you to three, which is probably my favorite of all those old movies, but it's not so good. One of the things, too, with, with the second part, I guess we should go ahead and move into that. It came out in 1970. It was Beneath the Planet of the Apes. They really go into the Forbidden Zone, and they go into, basically, it's an old cathedral from, I think, in New York City or somewhere. I forget. But... There's these mutants who are telepathic and they worship a, a nuclear bomb. And at one point they have like kind of a Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible thing where they have a face on and then they pull the face off and they're all kind of scarred and veiny and ugly underneath there. And I remember that kind of freaking me out when I was a little kid. So maybe that's another reason I don't like the second one as much. End of the movie anyway. Basically the bomb goes off and destroys the planet. And then in the third movie we find out that three of the apes including Cornelius and Zira and this random one you've probably never even seen before, were in Taylor's spaceship and were able to get it to take off and they flew up into space and were saved from the nuclear blast. And then that nuclear blast sent them to 1973, which is interesting because the movie was released in 1971 or whatever. But anyway, they, they have those apes and one of them dies pretty quickly. But Cornelius and Zira are here on Earth in quote-unquote modern day and it's, it's kind of a sad story in the long run. They're hunted down and they're killed in the end. And Ricardo Matoban, or Armando, um, saves their child, who I think was called Milo or something. To be, originally, he changed his name to Caesar so he'd be hidden. And then you get into the whole thing of that with the next movie. But um, Ricardo Montalban was a great addition to the cast. Was, I mean, he's another one of those over-the-top kind of crazy actors you know, from Star Trek, Fantasy Island, those kind of things. I enjoyed him in in the third and fourth movies. And so in the fourth movie, 1972's Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, we jump forward from 1973 in that second movie, really to 1991. They they say during the kind of epilogue or whatever, 
that in 1983 this disease killed all the dogs and cats, and now all of a sudden apes are man's pet. And so just an odd little future here. And then Caesar, who is played again by Roddy McDowell, is a talking chimpanzee. Eventually he leads a revolution against the tyrannical people who are enslaving all of his kind. And it is like a police state. It's definitely very oppressive. It's 1984 George Orwell kind of things going on. It's very dark. And then in the fifth movie, we go into really the future. I think it's 2670. There's this orangutan. <laughs> I said that funny, I know. There's this orangutan who's, who's telling you what went on and what happened back in the 21st century. But really, the moral of that whole movie is Caesar wants the apes and man to live together and work you know, work for a peaceful settlement of things. And it's kind of one of those post-apocalyptic movies. And, and that was the thing back then. People were scared of that actually literally happening you know, with the Cuban Missile Crisis and things in the 60s. And even when I was a kid, apart from these movies and other movies, I remember being in like third grade, being like eight years old, and literally... At one point, I think someone asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like in first and second grade, it's like, oh, I want to be a cartoonist. In third grade, I was like, well, I probably won't grow up. We'll probably get annihilated by a nuclear bomb. Like, I remember thinking that. And I think I remember telling someone that, which is really sad for, you know, like an eight-year-old to even know about nuclear bombs, much less think, oh, I'm not going to have a future because we're all going to die. But of course, I was watching Mad Max, was watching Planet of the Apes and all these other things that had these post-apocalyptic worlds, which again, right now is very popular. I saw the news today that Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland are going to be in one of those dystopian future movies, which honestly, those two would be a great cast, but that's just the thing that people are doing these days, it seems like still. I feel like in that movie, they changed the cycle. I guess it's left open to interpretation because technically they were a little further down in history when the first Planet of the Apes movie started. So either it's a cycle, it all starts over, or Caesar was able to break the cycle. I, I guess we don't really know, technically, officially. Now, there's a couple things with Planet of the Apes I've never actually seen. I never watched the live-action TV series in 74 or the Return to the Planet of the Apes animated series. have not really any information about those. For what it was, I really liked Tim Burton's 2001 Planet of the Apes. It was, a lot of, I think in a lot of ways, an homage to the old movies. It was, it kept some of the same phrases, some of the same techniques, but modernized them as far as the costumes and the looks and the, you know, just how the whole thing flowed. And yes, it was different. I liked it. I liked the ending. I thought the ending was awesome. Made me want to see more. But we never got more, so I enjoyed that one. And I guess quickly, we'll go into these last couple movies in this new series, as the new War for the Planet of the Apes comes out tonight, tomorrow, really, you know, we keep talking about it every week. Uh, here, there, I'm sure there'll be a preview show, but I don't think it'll be in the IMAX. I don't know. I may be wrong. I feel like Spider-Man's such a big movie, it'll probably be on one of the other screens in the theater. But back in 2011, we had Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which was the, kind of, the, to me, the main cast was James Franco, and his dad was played by John Lithgow, who, who was great in almost anything. And, you know, it was one of those interesting things. He's experimenting. He's making this chimpanzee really smart. Bad things happen. <laughs> really bad things happen. They escape. The, the apes kind of go crazy. They go wild. They, they run into the forest outside of San Francisco. And then three years later, we get Dawn of the Planet Apes. And in that movie, 
it's not looking too great for the humankind. Uh, I guess there's a disease that's killing everybody and the apes are kind of doing their own thing. I think the problem for the second movie for me was there was a lot of like sign language and, and things for the apes. So there were like subtitles instead of just having the apes talk, which I guess is more realistic and you know, their vocal cords and things. So I understand what they were trying to go for a more scientific approach to this that no, they can't just talk like we do. And okay, but it, to me, that made it a little boring, quite honestly. This was summer 2014, and around the same time as that Transformers movie. So, you know, we're kind of having that parallel thing this year. And again, this was one of those movies I was in the theater, and I'm like, this is long and kind of boring. And so, I really liked the first one. Wasn't really impressed with the second one, personally. I, I, other people loved it, I guess. I'll say that Andy Serkis is awesome in these roles where he's playing a character with motion capture, whether it be Gollum or King Kong or here Caesar. And I hear people say that this new movie coming out this week is just phenomenal, and they think Andy Serkis should be up for Best Actor or something just because how great it is. And so if that's the case, awesome. I don't know. I will see. But yeah, this is this is a fun franchise. I, I like the idea. I've thought about here recently because I've, I've never been that familiar with the DC Comics world, like in the actual comic books. And like on The Flash, there's Gorilla City, there's Talking Apes, or well, it's really more te- telekinesis. And I wonder which of those came first. Did DC Comics have Gorilla City and Gorilla Grodd before there was Planet of the Apes, or was there Planet of the Apes and then they kind of stole that idea? I don't know which, which was first. Uh, I think that's an interesting thing to think about. Anyway, I guess that's going to wrap up this random little episode of the Random City Podcast. Have I shared some, some of my random recollections and things about Planet of the Apes? If you want to get in contact with us, you can do that in a number of ways. Randomcitypodcast at gmail.com. You can call in or text 773-71-RANDOM. We're on Twitter, at Random City, on Instagram, at Random City Podcast. And there's some other social media, but there's the ones I use the most. You can listen to the show in a numerous different ways. I'm sure you've already found us in some way, or you wouldn't be hearing me say this, but we're in iTunes, we're in Google Play, we are in Satchel Player, and if you go to Jimmy and Georgia feed in Stitcher, we're there. Or the Jimmy and Georgia feed in iTunes. That works too. I guess that's about it for this random edition of the Random City Podcast. Hope to hear from you in between shows. And until next time, I'm Jimmy and Georgia. Peace. Peace.